Coming soon from Big Fish Productions. Ah, good morning. I believe you've been expecting me. Uh, no. Oh. He works alone. Only because nobody hires me. In danger. And in shadow. Uh, no, they didn't want me either, actually. He is Steve Solomon, Special Agent. I would very much like to destroy him. Very much, indeed. And he works for... Second Action D Department. It's far too exciting for me. It's the series for exotic locations. We've got a situation brewing on the Isle of Wight, Solomon. And international intrigue. What can you tell me about the late Professor Caterpillar? Oh, my darling, you're dealing with dark forces you won't be able to control. Then I should probably pack my other sweater. Steve Solomon, thank goodness you have come. When the situation spells danger. Yeah, boss, one bag of chips, no salt or vinegar, that'll be 179, please. When the stakes are impossible. Oh, I'm afraid I actually only have one pound forty. And everyone else is busy with other things. Ah, you have thwarted my plans again! Well, slow and steady wins the race, Dr. Pumpernickel. There's only one person to call. I knew it would be you in the end, Solomon. I pride myself on being entirely predictable. He lives for excitement. He lives on the edge. Someone's need one of our cars. Oh, you know how you really draw the listeners interest in a trailer like this? You include someone making a cryptic comment in order to make the series seem all epic and mysterious. Like something is coming. Oh yes, that's a good one. Cause then you can build it through the whole season. And have it go more or less nowhere in the two-part finale. Yes, yes, that's right. He's got it. Yes, that's it. And he goes into space, whoosh, or travels through time. Dr. Watson, I presume? Or something like that. Why not? Hold on tight, everybody. Because here we go. Unexpected item in bagging area. Oh, bother. And maybe there's a, a robot monkey in it. How much do you remember about who you were before? da 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 Pew, pew. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning. <laughs> You don't eat breakfast. Then no wonder I'm feeling peckish. You've been running your whole life, Solomon. This is where it ends. You're quite right, General. Now that I have this rather nifty motor bicycle, I'll be on my way. Oh, Marina, Marina, be a dear and fetch the deep heat. Oh. Oh. oh, this is what comes of pretending to be something and not. Oh, oh, thank you. What? What's that? No, no, I said deep heat, not, not as. Oh, oh, it is. It, it is deep heat. Oh, it's the Stingray episode called Deep Heat. Yeah. Well, it's not quite what I had in mind, but I suppose I'll have to do it. Well, here's deep heat. So welcome back to Stingray on the randomizer, and uh, this is a randomizer installment with a, a couple of firsts actually. Um, firstly, I believe, although it's not evident from watching the episode anymore, I think 
This episode was the first one to open with the full colour um, sea water explosion, you know, the standby for action bit. Uh, unfortunately, on DVD now, it's it's been replaced with the earlier black and white one for some reason. But I'm pretty sure that's that's correct. As a oh, poor little sea prober cruises along the bottom of the ocean floor, but even more exciting, and indeed quite worthy of the uh, important sounding music as we cross to Marineville, where uh, Lieutenant Fisher and Commander Shore are monitoring sea probe. Remote control undersea survey probe in position south southwest two thousand reference four. Probe signal varying at 55 and 80 sonic megabars per minute. Yes, we'll be through with this section soon. Yes, Commander. This sure is a swell way to survey the ocean floor. I know it, Lieutenant. Oh, this, I should also actually mention this is a... Uh, Explore space. Yeah, no manpower actually in danger. Another of those amazing moments we have. To note the probe's findings, that's all. Yes, I know another... The same actor talking to himself, playing two different characters, Commander Shaw and Lieutenant Fisher. He can go out and enjoy himself. And by this point in the series, you were getting these... Oh, there's a nice uh, cameo from the Wasps jazz band there. The, um, it's two or three episodes before they even appeared. Yeah, you get some really nice uh, argument scenes between uh, Commander Shaw and, and Lieutenant Fisher, similar to those in uh, in Fireball XL5 between uh, Commander Zero and, and Lieutenant 90. With unmanned instruments. So it's amazing that it's it's the same actor doing both characters. Relax, phones. I was only kidding. Meanwhile, the Stingray crew are out for a... Night on the town. Nice and snug while Sea Probe is in that cold old sea doing all the work for us. Some familiar puppets uh, at the bar behind them as well. But anyway, I, I mentioned a, a significant landmark event in the history of the randomizer. Uh, I have a new microphone. So if this episode sounds completely different to normal, and I hope it does, um, because I spent enough money on this thing, uh, that would be why I previously was recording on a little uh, portable, uh, a, a Tascam portable recorder, which, although it has um, variable direction microphones on the top, is not really a proper microphone setup as such. So, um, this is actually the very first thing I've recorded with this new microphone. I barely got the thing set up as of about ten minutes ago. So you guys and this episode are my uh, my guinea pigs, my my test subject for this new microphone setup. A submerged extinct volcano there. And because um, I was the, the the Tascam portable recorder has a, a memory card slot, I was recording directly to the recorder. Here I'm recording directly to my computer. Basically, what I'm saying is there is a thousand ways that recording this instalment of the randomizer could go wrong, and uh, I hope it doesn't. Court's being pulled now. Oh, we're having champagne at the... Uh... Wait for it. Oh, it's the Blue Lagoon, isn't it? Always makes me jump. Lounge. They went to a couple of times in this show. I think they're there in uh, standby for action as well. But before the cork can be pulled... Power. Hold the champagne. What's wrong, Commander? Plenty. The sea probe that has been mapping the seabed has disappeared. I want you to report to the tower immediately so that I Is can... Is that the same sea probe that was destroyed in the first episode, Commander? Sure, we, we probably should look at renaming these things. We, uh... The name Sea Probe seems very unlucky. I'm not sure, what were they having champagne for? Just just because they could? Oh well, enough of that. No champagne for Troy today. Marina doesn't look too happy about that either as they head into Stingray. Stingray, you are clear to go. And as much as I love the Stingray launch sequence, I've always hated that. That one shot of Stingray just about to come through the ocean door where the turbine isn't rotating. Okay, Troy. And it's only, it's, it's so brief, I know it's a very minor thing to complain about, but the rest of the sequence looks so good, and then you get this this one shot of Stingray absolutely frozen. Yes, sir. 
moving along the tunnel. Contact up to a depth of four miles from the ocean bed. Four miles? No extinct volcano can be that deep. We've come up against stranger things than that beneath the sea. Mm. Acceleration rate six. Rate six. Now, although I probably first saw this episode on the BBC, I have stronger memories of it from being in the Invaders from the Deep compilation film. This was uh, the final of the, uh, the four episodes that were mashed together to, to create that little film. Ray, an area reference four, sir. Okay, Atlanta, keep a close track. Which was, it was a compilation of uh, Hostages of the Deep, Emergency Marineville, the Big Gun, and then this, and it... Radar dead ahead. Although those episodes are very... And by at the, the framing device for the film is Titans telling all his subjects to destroy Marineville, which in the case of this episode, as we'll discuss later, isn't really appropriate. It does make sense to have this episode directly after The Big Gun, because in The Big Gun, Stingray went into a, a you know, subterranean sea further... We're going down! We're being pulled out! ...deeper than they'd ever gone before. Gotta keep her on an even keel. And the ship was almost crushed. And now, this time, they're prepared for, for another subterranean trip. Stingray from Tower. I didn't get you last... And they've brought along this uh, homing device communicator to... Uh, Start high-frequency tracking pack phones. Or high-frequency high tracking pack, sorry. Um, to allow Marineville to keep monitoring them. There we go. That's uh, on now. The tracking pack's operating. Yeah. Going now, in the film, it does... It's happening again, Atlanta. As, as disconnected as all the episodes in that film are, it um, doesn't quite make sense for them to have devised something like that so quickly, just within the context of the film. But here, like 20 episodes later, it does make sense that... Uh, Yo, it's nice to see the Stingray crew. They've learned from their experiences. They've learned from their mistakes, and uh, it's a nice little little bit of continuity that they've they've been in this situation once or twice before. And now they're saying, you know, hey, we should probably prepare for it in case it happens again. Two and a half miles, Troy. That's the crater's depth. Now we want to find out what's waiting for us at the bottom. The Stingray's going down, down, down. Tracking signal, half strength. That's two miles beneath the sea bed. Thank heavens we know Stingray can stand that water pressure. Ah, ah see, see another mention of mild continuity, because last uh, time in the big gun... Nearly two and a half miles. The ship nearly, uh, nearly crumpled under such pressure. Why doesn't Troy slow her up? Blow tanks, Troy. Now. Blow all tanks. Now. Ooh. Slight psychic connection between Troy and uh, Atlanta there. We're going faster. How much further? 200 feet. This is it. Oh, they're oh, going very fast now, but they're nearly at the bottom We're of the crater. Down. 20 feet to go. And it's a very well-lit um, vo extinct volcano with a, a proper landing pad at the bottom. And, uh, oh, there's Sea Probe. Oh, just waiting patiently. It looks like the centre of a... A UFO or Stingray collided with it there. What is this place? Uh, I can't say, Troy. Oh, Troy's got his blinking head on. I don't think there's any narrative reason for that. Oh, there is. They turn the lights on. It was well lit enough already. Attention, Terranians! Listen carefully! You will swim out of your craft towards the door. It is an airlock. Where's that voice coming from? It's all around us, Troy. Obey me, or it will be disastrous for you. What does he mean? That, I guess. Uh-oh. Oh, missiles. Yes. Um, 
And as we'll later see, this, uh... Like the man says, let's make for that airlock. This little underground complex that Stingray has found itself in is, um... It, it doesn't quite make sense for it to be so well defended. Oh, that's a... that's a... Possibly a unique shot of Marineville there. I don't remember seeing that in any other episode. The, Tracking signal's been called. That was almost the entire model there. That was, uh, something different. Well, what could have happened? Why doesn't the signal change? Poor Atlanta. Poor Commander Shaw as well to have to put up with her worrying. You'd think at times like this, if uh, if Troy is in danger, you just put Fisher on duty and Fisher doesn't care. Anyway, Troy and Phones are off to uh, investigate what looks like a that's an airlock door. They've still got these little missiles pointed at them. Ah, there we go. Enter the airlock, Terranians! Oh, Troy crashed into the uh, the airlock door frame there, and you can just about see that uh, the again the top of the airlock door frame didn't have well there wasn't a top to it so that the uh, the puppets could get through the their strings could get through the top. Where do we go from here? Which is uh, there's no other door. Gives Troy even less of a reason to crash into the thing. Operate the control. The man said operate the control. This must be it. <laughs> Yep, sharp as ever phones the uh, big red lever there. Damn, what a pace. Oh, and Troy brought the tracking thing with him. Well, we can be pretty sure they're still okay, Atlanta. Yes, Father, but they're going deeper and so swiftly. It's almost as if they're heading for the center of the Earth. And Atlanta's got a little uh, machine on her desk there, which I guess is what they're tracking this uh, whatever pack it was. Um, it looks like the the homing thingy that uh, X20 uses in Echo of Danger to lure Stingray away. Well, have lost all track of us. Oh, the beep has dropped beyond Atlanta's tolerance level. We've lost contact. Yeah, honey. They're beyond the transmitter's range, over four miles beneath the seabed. It's still going down. We're slowing up. And I do love this, uh, this control room set is it? Is it such a control room? This is uh, well. This is where the elevator has brought them. Madonna, and I love that David Graham voice. Terranians, and we hear it in other episodes too. Terranian, you have arrived just in time. Here we go. Who are you? What is this place? My name is Torata. This is Fragil. We have some fruit, Terranian. And a nice picnic blanket, for some reason. Lived under the earth for thousands of years. Alas, this room is the only part of our dynamic city left. For a great dynamic city of Centralis, we're in here. Every one of your people is dead. Yes. <laughs> oh, Troy sounded actually a bit cross at that. It's like a, a, a civilization has gone extinct in Stingray, and I didn't get to cause genocide. Our city was built within the shaft of the dormant volcano. It was possibly not the brightest idea we've ever had. All the rest destroyed by the lava, huh? That is quite bleak for this show, actually. An entire civilization just destroyed off-screen. Except for, of course, two guys. I suppose it's a nice, uh, it gives them a handy excuse to explain away the whole two guys thing. Until now, if you listen carefully, you can hear the fury of the volcano. Just beyond these very walls. And it looks like um, these two guys, Tarata and Fraggle, have prepared this map 
just in case of visitors. There's one of them has even got a uh, a pointing stick, which he's now using. He's he's now holding it like a cane. to draw in the first That's quite sweet. And these are very interesting designs as well. These two aliens. We needed a craft to reach the terrain. But, alas, the craft we chose was full of instruments. I like their, their interesting sort of, their hair, which looks like it's just strips of, of gold and brown cardboard or, or, or paper. We were desperate. We had to make certain you would come down to rescue us. But it's very effective. I believe one of these characters was made into a, a little uh, Robert Harrop figurine at one point as well. Ready to blow. Anyway. We better get out of here. Yeah, the volcano is almost going to break down the door. From the airlock, Stingray's hatch is open. We can swim straight in. But there's only one problem. Yeah, I thought of that too. We've only got two sets of breathing gear. In that case, there is no problem. We will take the breathing apparatus. Oh dear. Dirty rats. They may have lost Guns. their entire civilization, but they still have... Stay one more second and you die now! A gun. Bones. Maybe there's some other way out of this mess. Do as he says. And although I get that these two are desperate, I, this is a twist in the story I've never particularly cared for. Fraggle, we must be leaving. Um, just... Why would... After luring Troy and Phones down here, why not just be nice and... To prolong your suffering. We are humane people. Yeah, this doesn't help. Shooting the uh, the door that's holding back the lava so that Troy and Phones can have a nice, slow, agonizing death in lava. Um, what the hell, Tarata and Fraggle? It's like, you know, I don't know, it's just... This could have been one of those stories like The Lighthouse Dwellers or, or Sea of Oil. And Sea of Oil is actually a pretty good example, I think, because in that, the, the aliens were hostile towards the Stingray crew, but by the end you... You understood why, and you, you you saw that they were good guys really. Here it's kind of like the reverse. We have a situation of these two guys, the last of their civilization, which has been completely wiped out, and Troy and Phones are like, yeah, we'll help, and then they're just like, ha, no, we will just be nasty for no reason. But luckily, Marina has recognized that Tarata and Fraggle are not Troy and Phones, and she's shut Stingray's hull. They're not getting in there. What do we do now? The hatch is closed. We cannot get in. And they give up amazingly quickly as well. I don't, I'm, I'm not sure if they even noticed Marina was there. It seems like there should be a shot where she's like shaking her head or, or making a gesture to them saying no. Not today, boys. He will get them up here to open the hatch and then dispose of them. <sighs> what is with you guys? Again, I just, I, I like this story and I like this, uh, especially this setup with the lava coming in. There's some really nice, not just effects work, but this set, the way they're... Much longer, Troy. They're, they're, they're showing the lava breaking through. It's not just coming through the door now. It's, it's coming through the walls of the cave and uh, the walls of the city. Be ready. We must... Which I suppose must have put the, uh, the puppets or even the puppeteers in, in some degree of, of risk more than normal. And they are experienced enough to manage without breathing gear until we reach the hatch. Why didn't we think of that in the first place? We could have been nice to them. Oh dear. Yeah, all this uh, stuff, the uh, the lava streaking down the, the walls. The elevator's coming down. <laughs> Phones has got his smiling face on because certain death, you know, that, that just makes him happy. Yeah, the cave walls and the... Oh, just, it's a really nice 
Really nice set, and it's a really nice way to see the set destroyed, all this lava and fire. And... Oh, I don't even know what that lava would, would be made of, but it's probably something very toxic and uh, something, oh, flammable by the look of it as well. They probably wouldn't be able to use it today. Ah, uh, they must have collapsed. I remember reading, like, there was some powder they used to use in explosives at the BBC, like back in the early 70s, to dye the explosion pink. Uh, you see it in uh, Doctor Who with the Autons, you see it in Monty Python a few times, and it's later on it was like, actually this stuff is massively toxic, and I, while I would never accuse uh, the AP Films team of deliberately putting their, their team in danger, I, I would have thought that this is, there's so much fire and explosion here, there's got to be, got to be some danger. Oh, and this poor control panel as well, we get some some shots of this one control panel going up increasingly in flames. Oh, there it is again. So now the whole control room is trashed and oh, going to do with us. We're taking it back to Marineville if we make it. And that's more than you deserve. What are our chances, Troy? Well, it all depends whether See, I just I don't I just don't like this um you know, doesn't suddenly blow. The, the these these two who've lost their civilization and they are the baddies. It's like, well, what is there to their baddiness beyond beyond that? I mean, okay, they tried to kill Troy and Foes. Oh, this set is am am actually collapsing now. It's so much on fire. The, this backdrop sheet just fell away, and you could see, I think, sort of wooden wooden beams supporting the set. Hold your breath. Oh, that's it. See, this is this is where it could have been resolved in the first place. We could have saved ourselves the last ten minutes, Troy and Phones, willing to hold their breath while the other two guys use the breathing gear and get back into Stingray. You could probably hack ten minutes out of this and uh, it would probably still work just as well. Oh, and now the lava has reached the lift. A little landing bay blown that up. And Stingray's escaping. What about Sea Probe? They're going to leave Sea Probe behind while the volcano goes up. Oh dear. Poor old Sea Probe. All it wanted to do was study the ocean floor. Oh, that's it. All gone. Now Stingray's racing to escape from all the explosions. The volcano's just about ready to blow. And going back to Invaders from the Deep for a minute, it's, um, as, as I said before, the, the framing device for that is Titan telling his subjects to destroy Marineville. What the heck does this story have to do with that? They hit the ocean, die to the seabed. Even as a kid, I never got that. And the volcano blows. The other three episodes, yes, you can kind of get it, but uh, it's like, um, you know, Tarata and Fragil stuck in their ruined city at the bottom of a volcano. They're not going to be much help in the, uh, the final final push on Marineville, I don't think. Anyway, Stingray is now out of the volcano, which is about to blow. they got to dive for safety. Whoa, there it goes. Big water explosion. Tower to Stingray. Are you okay? Come in, Stingray. Troy! I also love the, uh, you know how on Star Trek, when the actors are, are shaking to... to, to you know, throwing themselves around the bridge to simulate the, the ship being hit. Marina and the two aliens are at the back of, of Stingray doing this as well, just, um, but of course because they're puppets. They're, um, they're falling and rolling and tumbling is, uh, is uh, even less convincing than it is on Star Trek. Anyway, Stingray is now, you know, they've crashed, but they've escaped the volcano. Come in, Stingray. Unfortunately, their bookcase has been knocked over. 
but um, otherwise everyone seems okay. Tower from Stingray. Oh, the we're okay, Atlanta. The phone's puppet had his his foot caught under the uh, steering column. You're though. safe. Yeah, we're safe, and we've got a couple of passengers too. Tell the commander to have the cooler ready. These are real unpleasant guys. Oh, again, not not particularly worse than anyone you faced before. Again, they were they were desperate survivors. I don't. I just wish that wasn't so um so much a part of this story, the dub the double cross. I would have thought just getting these two guys out of their city before it explodes. This is where we came in. Would have been enough, but uh, no, we had to do the. Uh, the nasty aliens twist. Anyway, it was back to the Blue Lagoon, back to the Champagne, back where it all started, and that was Deep Heat, which uh, is an episode I've always had a, a soft spot for, despite the fact that, as I said, the uh, the first, my first major exposure to it that I remember at least was Invaders from the Deep, where it just, it sort of stuck out like a sore thumb there, because it was like, it didn't have any relevance to, to the overall film, but I always enjoyed the the, the destruction of that um, control room set is so oh it's 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 surprising to see so much special effects work on a puppet set we're used to it on the model front but I, I, I don't remember seeing too many um, scenes of puppet sets actually going up in flames like that um, a nice nice sense of mystery in the first half as well but I just I'm I've never been keen on the whole twist of oh actually they're they're bad guys and again I get it was from desperation I just I, I think it was like a story element too far that doesn't really add anything but uh, you know Deep Heat it's uh, been a part of my childhood nostalgia for Stingray so I think it's going to be one of those episodes I'll always have a bit of a soft spot for not blind to its faults but uh, certainly an enjoyable episode of Stingray.